0: Hey there, Duke fans. It is a happy Saturday morning as we are sitting here getting ready to tell you about Duke's victory over Miami last night. Uh, it is DBR Bytes episode number 19. Like I said, this is going to be a DBR Bytes, not a full DBR because Donald Wine cannot be with us this morning. Sam Klein, though, joins me. I am Jason
1: Evans. Sam, how you doing? Jason, we can admit the real reason why we're monkeying with the numbers should we tell everybody <laughs> i mean don't don't they know if they've been around if they've been around for a little while if they just got here this season they might not know
0: right okay so so we're monkeying with the numbers a little bit because we want to try and game the system so to speak so that episode number 500 will be with our special guest kenny denard kenny the dog denard has been on with the dbr podcast on episode 100 200 300 400 and as we approach number 500, obviously, we're going to have him back. So, so yeah, we're kind of messing with the numbers a little bit. I think we did that in the past. I think the one time, like, technically, like, number 300 was number 301
1: or something like that. Well, we also, when we interviewed Shane Battier, we uh, renumbered the episode specifically for him, I think. That's right. I, I think we right. already made it past 31. We were like, right. nope, we this said, is this retroactively, is this is episode 31.
0: exactly yeah yeah it's what the numbers don't really matter though they really they really don't matter right whatever (laughs) i'll tell you the number that does matter duke 85 miami 78 the blue there you go there exactly right yeah the blue devils take down the miami hurricanes uh last night uh in the greensboro coliseum to advance to the acc championship game the acc tournament finals Uh, duke's semifinal victory uh sam i'll let i know you paid attention to what all the listeners sent to us in terms of headlines before you get to your headlines there was one i wanted to shout out i didn't get to look at all of them i I will freely admit that that i had a very busy friday evening i had to record this game i watched it uh on on my dvr at about Midnight or one AM last night. It was a very late evening. I, 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 by the way, I was very successful at turning off my phone and remaining radio silent. I had no idea what had happened in this game, even though I watched it probably four hours after it was over.
1: That's incredible, actually.
0: Yeah, it was. It was not an easy thing, but you know, I was, I was at a, I was at a show. I was at a play, and then we went out to, uh, we went out with some friends for dessert, and we were all just chatting and having a good time. I kept my phone in my pocket the whole time. Like it wasn't difficult to not look at my phone.
1: Wow. The joys of socializing out in the world. <laughs> there I, you went, go. Yeah. I went to a show last night too, but it started after the game was over. So the game ended and then I walked out to, to my show. And so I was able to watch the game in full. And then actually I, I missed the last like 10 seconds. Cause we were like running a little late and as soon as I knew that the game was in hand, I did turn it off. But, uh, but I, I, I waited pretty deep into that last minute.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think you only missed a couple free throws or something like that. Anyway, uh, bottom line is, I was going to say, we were getting to the headlines. Before we got distracted. And and I was going to say, before you give all the listener headlines, there was one of them that I loved, uh, John Lotaha. I'm not sure if I'm getting that right. Uh, sent, sent this one. He said, Dorico Suave. I just, I cracked up at that. Derrick Whitehead had an incredible game, and I was like, Derrick Oswabe, I wish I'd thought of that. That's really good. Also, Sam, guess what? I've got a headline. I haven't had a headline in like a month almost. Fine. My headline. Who are these guys? (laughs) Duke, suddenly potent on offense, blows hurricanes back to Florida. That's my
1: headline. I think your headline goes nicely with Jamie Keffer's headline. uh, Boys, two men, Shire and freshman look all grown up. Uh, that's excellent that's I like that one one the most I ignored I'm sorry with uh for all the folks that sent in the good uh hurricane puns I just I wasn't feeling
0: we've done it a couple times I
1: felt terrible doing one (laughs) need a new need a new uh need a new angle when Duke plays Miami uh I also liked Wilco's which is on on a similar uh similar vein new boss same as the old boss Duke plays for ACC title uh, Nick King sent us one that is that's punny. I'll give you that. Nothing wrong with Devil's outcome tonight. Uh, in, in oh, nothing wrong. In nothing <laughs> nothing in reference wrong at uh, all. <laughs> Isaiah Wong. Uh, Although
0: in, and, in fa- wait, in fairness, Isaiah Wong had a heck of a game. I
1: mean, he was really good. So there was a lot Wong. Just not, just not quite enough Isaiah Wong. I guess Or not quite enough of all the other guys on Miami. And I know we're going to talk uh, about the unfortunate uh, injury that Miami suffered. That. That really held them down in this one. One more headline: uh, Courtney Kruger sent us Lively Duke flips Miami. There you go. I like that. I like that. Derek Lively felt like he was he was very alive last night. So yeah, that's the, the, that's good big, for me.
0: The big men were a lot of the story last night. All right, so let's get to the game. Let's get to talking about it. And and before we do, you you mentioned the injury to Norchad Omir, and I, I I want to address that right off the top. I don't want to hear about no injuries. Uh, I- I'm sorry, Miami it sucks for you, but no one is saying, oh the the dozen plus games that Duke played without Derek Lively, Three Whitehead, Jeremy Roach, or perhaps worse still the games where those guys played hurt and and were only a shadow of the player that they could be. no one's saying those games don't count. I mean, I, it it there's no question it impacted the way the game was played, but I mean I thought Miami actually adjusted. To Omir's injury, pretty nicely they they went very small. They were doing a lot of trapping. They were doing a lot of pressing Duke and trying to force Duke into turnovers. They tried to speed up the pace of the game. They were playing a very free flowing kind of thing. Look, uh, uh, you know, Flip and Lively had to guard guys who were willing to take them outside on the perimeter and stuff like that. It's it, it just changed the, the 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 way the game was played a little bit. And and I don't I don't think it's an excuse. I don't think it's a reason. You know, it it's just part of what happened in this contest.
1: Did you, on your rewatch, Jason, catch Jim Lariniega's uh, half like pre halftime comments? Uh, no, Holly, no, I missed that. What did he say? Holly, Holly Rowe was asking him. Uh, you know, it's a it's a bummer that that Omir went down. Like, what are you going to do to compensate? And I don't remember the exact words that Lariniega used, but he was basically like, "We can't. We're really small. We're 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 pretty toast out there." Like he sounded defeated. <laughs> I was actually like. I, I I don't know if this is a motivational tactic for himself, like just to be like, you stink, man, like go home. Cause in the second half, it felt like Miami didn't take a lead back from Duke in the second half, but it felt like they were still pushing. And as you said, they kind of changed their game plan pretty quickly. And a Miami team that we don't think of as being like a full court press type team, all of a sudden was like, was using the press was pushing Duke into, into weird places. And I actually thought the Miami defense, like kind of turned it up a notch. The problem is, if they can't rebound without Omir, you can see in the rebounding margin that that yeah, this was never like even even though Miami was keeping it close, it felt to me during that whole second half as as well as Miami was playing, it felt like Duke was in control the whole time. And it to me like that's that's how I was sort of taking in that second half. Like I wasn't nervous about the fact that it was only a one or two or three or four point lead most of the time. I was like. Duke's better than Miami right now, and, and Miami just cannot compensate for uh, Duke being able to just own the glass.
0: Yeah, I thought that was absolutely true. I, I mean, one of the telling things, I, th- I think, about this game is that Duke had the lead for 32 and a half minutes of this contest. Miami only had the lead for four and a half minutes, and those were all fairly early. Uh, yeah, they, they kept on they kept it close, but but you, you did feel like Duke was, I don't want to say that they were in control, but that... But the Duke had Miami, you know, under control for the most part for the entire
1: game. Let's really get to the good from this contest. Where you want to start, my friend? How about Duke scoring? Uh, We got a few emails about the fact that Duke's offense all of a sudden looks and look, we know that um, that Miami is missing their big man. So everything is different and they're trying to adjust. But how good was Duke's shooting tonight or last night, I suppose, not just uh, like it, it wasn't just one guy doing this Philipowski leads the team with 17 points but Proctor Roach uh Mitchell and Whitehead all end up in double figures for Duke and and lively <laughs> had eight yeah and I mean, like... and and lively had eight so he's he's very cl- and and lively had you know more very awesome dunks so he he did his part uh he didn't he didn't make any threes but you know who did make some, like, like all these guys were making threes. Dariq Whitehead hit a couple threes. Duke was 500 from behind the three-point arc. And I think they've finally settled on the fact that, look, it's fine if they only take 16 threes a game and the opponent takes 26 because Duke is, was using them, was using the three-point shot last night perfectly, even if somewhat selectively, you know, the way that most teams are playing basketball these days.
0: Yeah, so I, I think you this is a bookend to some extent, although I hope it will continue the the second Miami game the game that you went to the game that we got absolutely torched and and this game
1: Duke's last bad performance
0: yeah it well the the game they played against Notre Dame and Cameron wasn't a great performance wasn't but great but like yeah yeah uh, so. I went back and looked at, at Bart Torvik's rankings, his his efficiency metrics, since that Miami debacle, which resulted in a players-only meeting after the game. You know, people have talked about it extensively. The players were were in there for 90 minutes. It was mostly Grandison and Young who were leading the discussion, and they talked about who they were, what they wanted to be, both as individuals and as players and and as a team. And since that game, according to Bart Torvik, Duke is the number nine team in the country. What's more, since the Syracuse game, we 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 talked about, you know, that Notre Dame game, it wasn't that great. Since the Syracuse game, where where Duke really started shooting better, that was the game where where we sort of began this upward trend trend with our shooting. Since that Syracuse game, that's been seven games. Duke is the number six team in the country over those seven games. And we have the number six offense. Again, the sixth best offense in all of college basketball over the past seven games. We're hitting close to 39% of our three-pointers over those past 7 games. I mean that this is a team that has changed. There's no question they've changed. I don't want the old team back.
1: <laughs> and and that's, yeah. and that's not just the shooting, right? That's the the uh, the ball handling, the, the the turnovers still continue to be we'll talk about that in in yeah. the bad. Um but the the passing seems to be like more creative. Guys are going into there was a great play last night uh maybe this is my play of the game I hadn't quite decided yet but but maybe I'll I'll shout this one out There was a play last night where Jeremy Roach like split the defenders ended up right in the he was right outside the paint but just just to the side and then and then uh zinged it back behind him to Proctor for a for a pretty clean 3 It's a great play I, That's not That was one of my contenders a, That's not a play that I I at all thought Duke was capable of a month ago uh because Roach had sort of, you know, he, he's he's good at getting to the basket, um, but he had kind of lost his his point guard ways and Proctor wasn't shooting yet the way that, that he is now and the way that the team is now. And and they they set up that play with a great screen like everything about that is like is so advanced and so good. And I don't uh, I, I don't know that Duke had that in their arsenal very recently.
0: Hey, before we get to the individual players, there are just a couple other little sort of big picture, you know, team-wide things I want to shout out. You, you mentioned the ball movement. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, maybe the the shot creation via the pass wasn't quite as good as it was against Pittsburgh. I mean, look, let's be honest. I'm not sure they can play as well as they did against Pittsburgh on a consistent basis. Uh, uh, if they can, we'll, we'll be cutting down nets. There's no that. about that. But, uh, but we still had assists on 57% of our basket. We got a lot of assists and a lot of really nice passing and, and smart aware basketball from our big men. Kyle Filipowski had five assists. Derek Lively had three. Flip, by the way, has a 10, 5, and 5 game. Uh, you know, that's we 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 track those. Those those make a difference. And and when the time comes to pick our favorite play, I'll be talking about an assist from Kyle Filipowski that will be, you know, in, in the running, so to speak. And I just thought the team showed a tremendous amount of poise in this game. They were, we, we talked about Miami, you know, went to sort of trapping double teaming and stu- the such. I don't think it really phased Duke all that much. Derek, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tyrese Proctor just seemed, God, that kid is cool as a cucumber all the time. And and I wanted to mention that we, we really did a nice job at the free throw line. There were a lot of important free throws in this game and Duke hit 84% in a game where we needed all of them.
1: Mark Mitchell had had a couple of those free throws right at the end of the game. And and I think he's been pretty good generally from the stripe this year, but great to see a freshman who has had kind of an up and down season uh, respond to the pressure there. Well, we got an email Jason on this topic that I wanted to read uh, from Tom Wildermuth said something that is hard. He said he was in the building last night for this game. Something that is hard to see on TV versus in person is just how smooth Duke this Duke team acts under pressure. I saw zero panic and completely under control when Miami made their run. They played together and smart. Uh that's yeah. exactly the sentiment, right? It's like exactly. despite despite all the youth, and and maybe it is maybe it is coming from the older guys like Roach and Grandison and Young. But uh last night when my you know Miami is pressing and they're pressing and they're pressing and and Duke never let up the focus, it it, it almost felt like it it made Duke better. To uh, to have that Miami team pressing and look a Miami team that has that has a couple guys who are, who are really talented and and a bunch of guys who didn't get recruited by Duke right so yeah uh, great experience for them and hopefully uh, it didn't wear them out too much because Duke has to play Virginia tonight
0: yeah well, we we will get to the minutes and uh, and the bench use when we get to the bad because that's that's something I'm concerned about. For the Virginia game. But I, okay, time. I want to talk about some individual players. We've mentioned a couple names, you know, a little bit, but I, I really want to uh, break out uh, Dorico Suave. Um, Whitehead was taking the ball to the hole off the dribble in a way that we really haven't seen him do very much at all this year. I mentioned in the last game, in that pit game, you know, that moment with about eight minutes left in the game where I was like, oh, wait, is this Doric starting to really blossom into the guy who can penetrate and get in the lane? and and he showed it again in this game multiple times the variety of his offensive game is really expanding he he's blossoming into a much bigger offensive threat i mean like just you know look at the numbers from this from this game whitehead only plays 18 and a half minutes but he gets 16 points um I, i'll take a point a minute from anybody <laughs> i mean that's really impressive and I noticed, Sam, I'm not sure if you picked up on this. Down the stretch, John Shire had Dariq Whitehead in the game instead of for a little while, instead of Tyrese Proctor, and then instead of Derek Lively. But Whitehead played the final five minutes when this game was very much in doubt,
1: Dariq Whitehead was in there the whole time. Well, and part of that was that Lively got saddled with foul trouble late in the game, uh, on on some calls that uh I don't think all the Duke fans necessarily agreed with, but yeah, it right. was it was key for for Whitehead. And look, I know you'll talk about how the bench has shortened a little bit, but can you blame John Shire for not taking out any of these guys who were who were playing so well last night? Like, what a you know such a dynamic performance that uh, it it felt like it, it sort of made sense. I think it's a shame that Whitehead is only able to get eighteen or nineteen minutes in this game because yeah. because he was he was scoring so efficiently and he looked. Uh, to me, he looked a little bit more dialed in on defense.
0: Yeah. Oh, I was going to mention that. Yeah. His D which has not been as advertised for parts of the season has gotten much better lately. Um, And, and as a result of that, Duke essentially always has at least three, usually four plus defenders on the floor at any moment. And even the guys who I would sort of say are, you know, sort of just average defenders, they're able to step it up when needed like I don't consider Jeremy Roach is a is a, a decent defender I don't consider him someone where I'm like well that guy's just going to lock you down you know he's not a Tyrese Proctor he's not a Mark Mitchell he's not a Derek Lively but uh Jeremy Roach I thought last night really fought hard on defense um especially on mostly on Nigel Pack and Nigel Pack struggled a lot in this game and I think a lot of that was due to Jeremy Roach but but getting back to Whitehead um I, I you know his D was really good in this game his offense has gotten. So I think that this was his best game of the year. His usage rate in this game, by the way, was the and and by that I mean, you know, how many times did Duke go to him to take the the final shot or, or potentially to turn it over or something like that, although he didn't have any turnovers, which was very nice, but his usage rate in this game was the highest it's been since some games in in early mid-December that that are in completely forgettable at this point. For for that to be happening for Dariq Whitehead this late in the season, it, it it probably it maybe means that we're looking at a Duke team that has another legitimate weapon, and that's a really big deal in March. That's yeah, you know, it's great to have happen. All right, hey, talk to me about the bigs. Talk to me about Kyle Filipowski.
1: Yeah, Kyle Filipowski all of a sudden has has found his offensive game again, and he's pulling down re I, like I I. It, it it feels bad to say that like, you know, Filipowski had, had disappeared a little bit there during the point in the season when Duke was getting so much better. But uh, man, he, he now has, we were talking about the, the confidence a minute ago. How much more confident does Philipowski look now scoring and making his free throws and even playing defense? I know in this one, you mentioned that, that, Miami mostly had to, you know, they had to go small in this game and flip doesn't shy away from having to, to get out of the perimeter. Look, he's going to get beat from time to time, but, uh, but just the overall, like, like the level of focus seems like it has returned. And so he's, he's through that, I guess he's through the second wall of his fantastic freshman season.
0: Yeah. 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 He goes, he goes, flip goes seven of seven on two point field goals. Uh, Derek Lively, by the way, was four of five on two point field goals. I love that we were, you know, really smart about the game plan. I mean, our threes were falling. You know, you mentioned our, our shooting was is, it has gotten a lot better than it has been lately. And and Duke hit threes at a very, very nice clip in this game. But we still knew once Omir went out that we had a, an inside advantage. And we just went to flip down there again and again. And he like never let us down. And I wanted to very briefly mention, Sam, what would you think about the, with about three and a half minutes left, it was like a two-point game. And Flip had that play in the post that TV Teddy decided not to call an offensive foul. I was I was sure when that guy fell to the floor that Teddy was going to call an offensive foul. But when you watch the replay, it's a really good call by Teddy because the defender like thrust his chest into Kyle and then fell down. Kyle did not lower his shoulder. And look, Filipowski almost always lowers his shoulder. Yeah, he's
1: he's 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 got that move on lock. The... Yeah. Lower, Like turning, turning over the shoulder while, while also lowering it, knocking the guy out and then getting the easy layup that is called for an offensive foul.
0: Right. But, but I, again, I watched that replay. I watched it a couple times and he did not lower his shoulder and TV Teddy, as much as we love to criticize him, he was right there on that play. He was like, Nope, that is not
1: an offensive foul. And that was a big, big play. Jason, I feel like we uh now we need to talk about the guards a little bit more. I like it feels like we've skipped right over Lively, but but we've touched on it sort of in passing. Um you want to talk about the uh the guard play in this one and and Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach seeming like all of a sudden now they now they know how to play together.
0: Yeah. Uh, again, I I said I thought the poise Proctor's poise was tremendously impressive. He he also did a great job of knocking down his shots when, when guys found him open, like when when Miami would slough off a of Proctor, Proctor would be like, I'm going to make you pay. I'm going to make you pay. <laughs> and that's, like I said, that's going to come up in my, I was talking about Kyle Filipowski and his passing, his passing to Tyrese Proctor is going to come up in my favorite play. But I did want to shout out, I did want to specifically mention, you're talking about the guards. Jeremy Roach did not have his best offensive game. I would say even it was a little bit below average for him. But that off the dribble three that he took with a little more than a minute left w- was a game winner. I, let's be very clear. You know, you talked about you had to you had to go at the end of the game. That was the moment you were like, okay, game over, Duke wins. And and I can't believe he had the guts to take that shot. It, it was a very difficult shot. He hadn't hit a three the entire game up until then. And literally on the previous possession, he'd been like, I'm Jeremy Roach. I'm going to take the ball and and, you know, do my thing. And he had just been rejected viciously at the rim. He tried to go to the basket, and and it did not work out very well for him. And Miami raced the other direction. So for him to be like, okay, I've still got this. I mean, stones. Dude has huge stones. He wants the ball when the game's on the line in March. And he knocked down one of the biggest shots of the season.
1: Jason, you said that you're surprised that Roach took that shot at the end of the game. I'm not, because he is full of... uh what would Mike Shishovsky call that? Moxie, verve? verve, verve, It would definitely
0: be a verve. <laughs> yeah, Jer-
1: Jeremy Roach has the has the verve, and and uh, Coach K would be talking about it if he was the one coaching this team. So I got no doubt that he's taking big shots like that at the end of the game. Whether he makes them uh, <laughs> seems like it varies from game to game. But you're you're not going to lose out on confidence when Roach is, uh is on the floor. <laughs> I love it.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, there's a little bit of bad we have to talk about. We have to get to our favorite plays and we will very, very briefly discuss the matchup against Virginia coming up tonight. Stay with us. All right. We're back from the break. And I want to, you know, before we get to the bat, I just want to mention something very quick that a friend of mine pointed out to me, my friend, Jonathan Gans, a very astute observer of the Duke basketball team. He pointed this out. Duke is playing slower. And I was like, wait, what are you, we've been playing slow all year. John, what are you talking about? And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, have a look at the stats. Well, so I did actually a friend of John's did, but I, I, I looked again <laughs> and on the season, Duke is playing Duke the season our pace of play is about 280th 290th in the country but over the past seven games starting with that we talked about we've talked about that Syracuse game is the time that Duke has started playing better on offense the Duke is the sixth best offense in the country since that Syracuse game seven games ago over the past seven games Duke's 330th in the country at pace of play we have slowed it down even more we are being very, very patient and looking for just the right shot. And on offense, playing slow is really working for this team. So, like I said, before we get to the bad, I just wanted to admit, I thought that was a really interesting observation from my friend Jonathan.
1: And what does that mean for the game tonight?
0: Oh boy. Virginia. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it, it's gonna be an accidental four quarters game. Tonight. Yeah,
0: exactly. Oh no my one,
1: god. No one wants to take a shot. It, we're we're going deep into the shot clock on every possession, and you know what? For once, you feel like Duke is actually prepared to play at Virginia's pace. Yeah, exactly,
0: exactly. All right, so let's get to the bad from this contest. I'll start with something. Uh, I, we we did have some head scratching turnovers, mostly in the first half. Kyle Filipowski had a few of them. Uh, I just thought you know Duke looked fairly sloppy at times. There were a few times that balls got knocked around and we recovered them, so they weren't turnovers, but still looked sloppy. Uh, Duke ends up with eight turnovers in the first half. Let me tell you something. If we'd had 16, if we duplicated that in the second half, if we'd had 16 turnovers in the game, I don't think Duke wins. But we cleaned it up a bit. Only four turnovers in the second half. And and But as a result of all the turnovers, Miami beat us in points off turnovers 14 to 5. They beat us in fast break points 13 to 2. We can't allow that to happen against Virginia. We can't allow Virginia to get out on the fast break against us and, and turn us over a lot because it, it will be a problem
1: uh, at this point in the season though it feels like duke's not doing anything about the fact that they're they're giving up you know 10 12 14 turnovers a game what they can do is uh is you know take try to take good shots and continue to do the offensive rebounding that has been so successful because uh we we keep harping on it here and unfortunately it it, it feels like the one uh the one sort of Achilles heel for Duke all this year,
0: exactly, exactly. I, I also I don't know if this should necessarily go in the bad, but I'll, I'll go ahead and mention it here. Full credit to Miami and especially to Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong for playing a great game. Those two guys made tons of athletic, difficult shots. Much of much of what they did was was when they were guarded by Mark Mitchell. Like I kept on noticing, Mark Mitchell kind of getting. Torch by Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller I was like damn I mean Mark Mitchell's an excellent defender and those guys just they, they played outstanding Miami showed so much guts and determination and frankly Wong and Miller are just fun to watch uh if if Omir comes back and and isn't injured for a long time they're going to be a super tough out in the tourney um the tourney is everyone says is a guards game But Omir gives them just enough inside that they'll be really difficult to play against. So, you know, again, I'm not sure if it's in if it's necessarily goes in the bad, but I'm mentioning it here that that I thought Miami
1: played an outstanding game. They are a very, very worthy team. I can connect this back to I think another topic, Jason, that you wanted to touch on, which is the limited role of the bench. And we've been so excited this year that John Shire has been more willing to go deep on his bench to to you know cure whatever is ailing Duke. It's a bummer tonight that uh that you know the, the the best guards that Duke has for containing guys like Miller and Wong were not being effective because there really is like Jacob Grandison can't come in and fix uh Mark Mitchell's like uh misses on the perimeter as much as I think John Shire would like him to be able to do and then yeah. Ryan Young also like doesn't doesn't provide like extra defensive chops uh he yeah. he was mostly ineffective tonight I think in a game where like he's just the odd man out as like the only guy who can't stand on the perimeter at all. So uh, it was tough for Duke to use both Grandison and young tonight. And that was a bummer because basically the only player off the bench who had any impact was whitehead and nobody else played. So uh, we saw a, we saw a very coach K rotation last night for Duke. And I I don't know how much we love that. That is, is where they're at right now.
0: Yeah. I think part of it was dictated by matchups. Uh, you know, when when Miami had to go so small, it made it very, very difficult, like you say, for Ryan Young to play at all. And, and then I think, uh, you know, a lot of Duke's perimeter guys, especially with the shooting, we, we talked about the fact that Duke's like, you know, been close to 40% three-point shooting in recent games. And, and I think that, you know, sort of eliminates some of the need for Jacob Grandison. But so they combined for less than 10 minutes. And when those two guys were on the floor together, Duke was you know, no offense. they're they're both good guys and they play hard and they are clearly leaders in the in the clubhouse, so to speak. but the the Duke was just considerably worse when they were in the game than when they when they weren't. They both had negative plus minuses. Grandison and Young, they were the only players on the Duke team that had a negative plus minus in this game. and and, and as a result of them only playing 10 minutes and and Duke not really being able to use its bench very much, we only played, we had four guys play 34-plus minutes in this contest. That's that's a lot. And I, I don't know, Sam, are you right? Can we move to Virginia? Because this obviously impacts the Virginia game. Like I say, so Duke has four guys play 34-plus minutes. We really only play six guys in this contest. Virginia, meanwhile, absolutely clobbers Clemson. It's It's like a 15-plus point lead the entire second half. A, a very relaxing game for Virginia. And and as a result of that, Virginia didn't have a single player play more than four minutes. Virginia had five different guys combined to play more than 50 minutes off their bench. And, you know, I I worry that, you know, Duke may be tired against Virginia. I mean, at least we had the first game and they had the second game. And and I'm sure that Virginia didn't get to sleep until, you know, like 1 a.m. or or perhaps even later. Just the nature of, you know, how 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 late the games went and such, but but Duke's had a little bit of a rest disadvantage
1: and and a bench disadvantage coming into this Virginia game. That being said, Virginia did have a tougher game against Carolina, I think, than Duke did against Pitt. So uh maybe things have, have more or less evened out on the on the exhaustion front. I'm not worried about about Duke's endurance here. Uh if anything, it's helpful that that Duke is young and that uh they've they've demonstrated the ability to go back to back already. So I'm actually not uh, super worried about that. I feel like the other thing that is going in Duke's favor is the motivation to make up for that, uh, that last loss that Duke took the one that was in Charlottesville. So uh, consider me like less. And, and finally the fact that Duke is playing slow now that uh, you know, Virginia's had, had a, a style of play dialed in for longer than any of their current players have been on the roster Duke. It always feels like even though Duke has been relatively successful against Virginia, given how good Virginia has been at the top of the sport for so many years now, and Duke has managed to to take some games off them kind of like that, that Duke is going to show Virginia uh, increasingly something that looks a lot like itself. And uh, so I'm not, I'm not as, as concerned about the rest now, maybe Duke's going to, you know, lose by 15 against Virginia. And then I'll, I'll reevaluate that and say, you know, fly too close to the sun. You're going to, your, your, your wings are going to burn off, but uh, let, let, let's see what happens tonight. I other, the other thing I think is that Duke has now, you know, Duke has one more opportunity for a quad one win against UVA, which is what that would be. Uh, I think the one I I didn't check this morning. I think that game against Miami is a, is a quad. Oh yeah. 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 Um, yeah, For sure. So uh, Duke has one more opportunity to solidify its, it's NCAA tournament resume. And you, you mentioned the other day that it's possible that all those scenarios are written out already. I would like to think that if Duke beats Virginia, they're solidly a four seed at this point. Um, and that, and that Duke is now no lower. Like it, it's like Dukes a five, if they maybe um, it, at this point, it's like Dukes a five, if they, if they lose and a, and a four, if they win, um, which effectively puts you in like very similar position between being a four and a five. But, but I'd love to see the, you know, John Shire in his first year get get them that high. I know that they were ranked higher in the preseason, but uh, given all that they've been through, pretty pretty incredible to to climb back to this place.
0: Yeah, well, and the other thing is, if there are four, I think they they could get a pretty favorable, uh, you know, depending on where the other fours end up and and the such. Duke, Duke could end up playing in Greensboro again in the NCAA tournament, which which would be a you know, it'd be nice for this team after playing a really, really well in the ACC tournament to return there next
1: week to to have our games uh, in the NC. And the there's NCAA actually a, a pretty good chance, I think, that, that Duke ends up in Greensboro. And that's more a function of looking at all the other teams right. that are involved here, uh, because you don't have like like the other team that's really good that is sort of in region would be Tennessee. Uh, there's also I think there's a Birmingham or a Montgomery or something there's a there's a first round that's in Alabama um, yeah, so Tennessee yeah. might get sent there or they might get sent in Greensboro but the other teams like like I'm just looking at the at the top of the net right now Houston Alabama UCLA Tennessee Connecticut Purdue Gonzaga St Mary's San Diego State Arizona Texas Kansas Baylor like none of these teams are getting uh, want to be in Greensboro in the first round and that's it, it's primarily dictated by uh by that usually when we talk about we talk about the selection of whether, you know, whoever gets to play in the first round in Greensboro or Raleigh or Charlotte. Uh, it's like among Duke UNC and UVA, which two are the best, because those are the two that you get to to host the pods. But <laughs> North Carolina is not making the tournament this year. Nope. Uh, if anything, it's possible that, that this Duke Virginia game tonight is the battle to get Greensboro.
0: Yeah, it it's very very possible. I agree with you. I think that's the that's something that could absolutely be on the in so, the card. So so
1: that actually could be is, is big motivation for Duke. There will be no Carolina fans in the building at at the well, I, there'll probably be a few. Uh I remember seeing uh Kentucky fans at the 2015 National Championship game. The Carolina fans will be in Greensboro uh for some reason, but their team won't be there. So it won't be the same uh full throated anti-Duke situation that it usually is when Duke plays early <laughs> yeah. rounds in, in the state of North Carolina.
0: There you go. All right. Hey, before we before we roll, let's let's do favorite play very quickly. We've sort of teased it a little bit. Go ahead and tell me what your favorite play is.
1: I'll take that 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 Jeremy Roach kick out to Proctor for the three. Uh I mentioned also that the other thing on that play that worked so well was Derek Lively set the high screen, and then Roach went right through it such that he was like 10, 12 feet from the basket and had every option open to him. And the thing that he picked was wheeling it around to Proctor for a very like in step three pointer. I love that. I don't think that Duke was, was good at doing that earlier this year. And clearly they've demonstrated now that they're capable of, of, uh, smart playmaking like that.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to take, uh, by the way, I, I almost, I came very close to taking, uh, with about four and a half minutes left, Kyle Filipowski had that little, spin play and floater that he shot in the lane one handed. I was like, "Wow, that that was a, a that that was definitely on my list of plays to shout out in this game." But I'm going to go ahead and take the cross court, Kyle Filipowski, I think had two cross court passes that resulted in, in in three-pointers when when Miami would come, when Flip would get the ball and Miami would come and double him. His court vision in this game was really impressive. And and I specifically know there was one in the first half where he fired the ball like not to just call it cross court wasn't enough. He fired it like to the exact opposite angle from where he was to find Tyrese Proctor for an open three-pointer that Proctor buried. I think he had another one that wasn't to Proctor, it was to someone else maybe just a little bit later on. But those passes by Flip to me were really, really advanced offensive plays from a guy who's seen the floor as well as he has all year.
1: One more play that I thought was cool. Uh, Derek Lively had that had that hookback back dunk. I think it was on a, on a Proctor. It was on Proctor tenth. miss. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you think there's like 10% of Proctor that was like, I'm throwing this off the backboard. This is an alley-oop.
0: Yeah. Proctor and Roach do that. Both those guys do that a fair amount of the time. They'll be coming down the lane and everyone will come to them and they can't hit lively for a pass, but I think they do. You know, it's, they, they put it off the backboard, but they put it so hard that you're like, that's not going in. And it, it was
1: it was high yeah. off the backboard. Exactly. Uh, they not, know what they're not, doing. Not at a good angle. Look, that's what Jim Lariniega said. He said he said it's impossible for us to go up against Lively. He's you know he's got a few inches on all of these players. So uh, so credit to him. That one was was nasty though.
0: All right. With that, we're going to wrap it up here on the DBR podcast. Thanks for joining us. We will be back after the Virginia ACC championship game hopefully to celebrate an ACC championship. Uh, And we will also be back after the NCAA tournament selection show to tell you about Duke's path through the field. In any event, for Sam, I'm Jason. We are sorry Donald could not be with us. He'll be with us very soon, I promise. Here's the Duke band to play us out and take us home.